So, welcome to this week's Energy Show. This week, we're talking about solar consumer protection. Now, home solar is one of the fastest growing industries in the U.S. We're, we're installing systems and adding jobs like crazy all over the country. It's a very straightforward business. Put the solar panels on your roof, generate electricity, and your savings in electricity are almost always greater than the cost of the system. So, you got cash flow positive. Now, it takes some analysis to determine the size of the system that's right for you, the number of solar panels, to determine the energy savings that you're going to get from those panels, and then to translate that kilowatt-hour energy savings into dollar savings because the electric rates can be sometimes kind of complicated. So there's a lot of details also in the choice of the solar panels, the inverters, the way the systems are mounted on the roof, how they're compatible with your shingles, different financing options, and then the warranties on the equipment and the installation. Lots of details there. Now, the vast majority of solar installers are doing this work because they believe in solar. Heck, I started the first national installation company over 15 years ago because I believe rooftop solar was the right thing to do for our economy and our environment. Now, there's over, there's probably like eight or 9,000 solar installers all around the U.S. who are conscientious, ethical, want to do a great job on your roof so they get recommendations. But just like in many industries, there's a few companies who are in it to make a quick buck. That's the need for consumer protection. It's important for customers to understand the solar system that they get and understand the practical aspects of their financing, the leasing, the PPAs, the loans, and to understand the warranties that are offered. Now, the solar industry has done a terrific job to self-regulate the people that are working in the industry. Now, to talk about the self-regulation work, my special guest on this week's show is Tom Kimbis. Tom's the Executive Vice President of the Solar Energy Industries Association, or SIA. He's also SIA's Chief Counsel. Tom's also the Chairman of the Board at the Solar Foundation and previously worked at the DOE on a number of their solar programs. I've had the pleasure of working with Tom on the Consumer Protection and the Ethics Committees at SIA for several years. Well, welcome to the show, Tom. It's great to be here, Barry. Thanks for having me on. All right, good. Well, we're talking about a real important topic as far as the sustainability of the solar industry, just to make sure that consumers are being treated properly and, and their expectations are actually met with the energy savings. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what some of the consumer protection issues that we've recently seen? Sure, sure. And Barry, you know, thanks to those of you in the audience who don't, listening on us who don't know, Barry has been involved with SIA for many, many years in many capacities, and most recently, I believe you just mentioned them, the, our Consumer Protection Committee and Ethics Committee. And our Consumer Protection Committee has been kind of ramped up in the last two years to address a couple of issues that we have seen arise within the solar space. So in terms of you're asking, you know, what do we see the most in terms of issues that consumers have to deal with that could fall into these categories, the vast majority, when we look into them or states look into them, turn out to be misunderstandings. And some of that has to do with the fact that something your listeners know well, which is that you know, solar is spreading fast, but it's still a new technology to many. And we need to make sure that consumers who you know, have the bug to go solar and want to save money or want to help the environment for whatever reason that they're choosing to go solar are on the same page with their solar company. So a lot of it is gaining the familiarity, is, is kind of fighting through the complexities that come with residential solar. So some of it does come down to misunderstandings between what the consumer expects and what the company is expecting to deliver. Now, that was probably the case with any new electronic invention, whether it's a smartphone or going back to PCs, etc. 
But, you know, this is what we face today in the solar industry. So a lot of them are, are sort of what I would call innocent misunderstandings. You then have moving to a category which is quite large and obviously does not, does, is not restrained to solar industry, but winds up resulting in a number of, of problems on the consumer side is advertising. Like any industry, there's a need to be clear, there's a need to be transparent, there's a need to be in compliance with state and federal law when a company does advertise a solar product or service. However, we see instances of phrases such as free solar, which, you know, unless you're giving away a solar system for free, like uh, sort of part of a part of some sort of benevolent giveaway, that system is not free. It's, you know, the it's tied to a lease for which you have to make payments. Yeah, so it's it's interesting you talk about free solar. I mean, solar industry has been leasing systems. It's a good model for people short on cash. The car industry does the same thing, but the car dealers don't say, "Oh, free car." It's you know, exactly. talking about the lease. And there's the there's the, there's the sort of is the solar company really trying to pull a fast one over on the consumer, or are they just a little bit less familiar with the best ways and the proper ways to advertise? So, yes, you could have some bad apples, or but. Most of the time, what we have found, you know, Barry, when encountering this, is we contact the company, and the company changes their advertising program, not knowing that that was, you know, something that was in violation of the law. And I would say, just to finish up, the third category is, as you mentioned in your introduction, there are a few bad apples out there, just like any other industry. And we do see cases there of misrepresentations of savings or guarantees that, you know, no solar system would ever be able to meet. You know, and, and that category is one where we're more than happy to see the state come in and, and put, uh, you know, put the, throw those folks in jail because we just don't need them in our industry. Yeah, you know, in California and many other states, you have a contractor state licensing board, and, and they're pretty strict about the ways contractors represent themselves. They can advertise, disclosing their contractor's license and, and making sure that the contracts themselves are legal. I mean, I've been hearing about these problems, and once in a while, you know, customers call me up or, you know, I'm involved in an issue. What's SIA doing about some of these issues that could happen from a few bad apples that are in the solar industry trying to make a quick buck? Yeah, it is a shame, and I'm sure that many other industries have gone through this and continue to go through this, where, you know, the few who try to make that quick buck are the ones that wind up getting more of the media attention. But SIA is taking it seriously, taking the issue seriously, and we're actually... Contrary to what you might read in some of the press around some of these stories created by these bad apples, we're actually, you know, according to agencies such as the Federal Trade Commission, when we sat down with them, very proactive and very far ahead of, you know, other industries in reacting to consumer protection issues. So what we've been doing is developing a suite of products that are all available for free, all available on our website and designed to increase the transparency in the solar residential transaction. So the first thing, Barry, you were involved with uh, working on this, is we created, and this is a big lift, a code of conduct for our entire industry. All members of SIA have, have agreed to abide by our solar business code. And that code governs conduct, what can be done, what can't be done, throughout the industry. There's a process for how to implement that code, and there's also, I want your listeners to make sure they know 
there's a complaint form which is available on the SIA website, and it's actually available on several state websites now, where a complaint can be submitted to SIA in addition to you know, any complaints that a consumer may make to the Better Business Bureau or to the state government. And we can try to take quick action in contacting that company and see if we can't find a resolution to the issue. Yeah, you know what I like about that is is this code. It's a common sense code. I mean, people who want to, companies that want to stay in business, that want to have good referrals, that want to have a great reputation, these are common sense things. We're not trying to have every company be a saint, but it's what any sane business person would want to do if they want to be in business two or three years from now. And you know, I'm really happy that we have that in place and we have that complaint form if there's some unethical behavior out there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we've complemented that. If that's the backbone, what we've added to on top of that is several guides. Most uh, prominent is our guide to residential solar, which is designed for homeowners. And we have that in both English and Spanish. We also have one for landowners who are leasing their land, you know, farmers and others leasing their land for solar development. There are model contracts that are out there for that we provide to solar companies to make sure that their contracts or leases that they're using are very clear and have gone through a rigorous peer review process. And lastly, I'd say one of the most exciting pieces, Barry, and, and you know, I'm actually very proud that we're you know, at the end point of releasing all of these uh, out to the public are disclosure forms. And for all of those of you who have gone through the purchase of a home, you know that when you sit down at the settlement or closing table, the number of pages that you have to look through can be, uh, can be a foot high. Well, having a federal HUD-1 form, which is the, f- the two-page form that you have that summarizes all the different charges and your interest rate and you know, the length of your mortgage and how much money you're either paying or receiving, buying or selling a home, is summarized in a very simple, clear fashion. And what we have done is created three disclosure forms, one for each of the most common residential solar transaction type. The outright purchase, where you, you know, pay cash or take out a loan to buy the system and own it, or the two, what we call third-party-owned systems. The lease, as we mentioned previously, as well as the power purchase agreement where you're buying power from a system that's put on your roof. And those disclosures will hopefully curtail much of the you know, confusion that is the most common source of you know, friction between the consumers and the solar companies. Before we get on another topic, I just wanted to say that you know, those disclosures, which we are going to distribute very widely through partners such as the Better Business Bureau that has blessed them, are not going to solve every problem. But what they can do is they can help consumers understand what they're entering into by having key terms right in front of them rather than having to dig through a contract or a lease, as well as be able to compare among offers. This is intended to increase competition among solar companies as well as make it easier for consumers and companies to be on the same page. Yeah, these things are going to be really helpful. And and one of the things that we always counsel our potential customers and anybody looking at shopping for a system is is just try and create a little Excel spreadsheet and just compare the offers you're getting from different installers. And it's good to get multiple 
prices of the cost per watt of the system and any applicable incentives. And then you can really compare things on an apples-to-apples basis because trying to compare different products, inverters, modules, technology, you're going to get blown away with all the technicalities. But in most cases, it just boils down to the numbers, and it's pretty easy to compare that way. So, Tom, who's making a big deal about these problems? I, I mean, I hardly ever, ever hear them other than, you know, some, some stories that pop up in the news every once in a while about a crazy contractor who's, you know, just a crook. But, you know, you've, I've been reading about lots and lots of other industries that have the same thing. So why is this becoming a, a big public issue? Well, I think sometimes, you know, you do have, they're, they're mostly homeowners that are submitting complaints. And whenever, you know, back to the point about solar being fairly new as a competing electricity option for residential, you know, homeowners today, I think whenever you've got something new, it tends to be newsworthy. We get a lot of coverage for solar because of our massive growth across the U.S., so people, you know, find, you know, solar stories sexy. They, they want to read about solar. And having the flip side, when somebody does have a problem with solar, I think is also attractive in the news. Um, so most of it, I think, stems from consumers raising, raising uh, issues rightfully to either the, the press or, you know, to the state when those issues arise. However, I do think that there are instances where some of our competitors have really incorporated consumer protection into some of their methods for trying to derail some of the growth of residential solar which is which is unfortunate. So Tom, um, you're being you're being really diplomatic here, so let me cut <laughs> to the chase. So sometimes I, I've seen certain utilities or utility districts crying out, you know, getting articles placed and getting some press about unsavory solar installers who, you know, may have uh, exaggerated the savings or, or minimized the cost or just gone out of business and the utilities are seeing, you know, say, hey, look at how bad these residential solar guys are. You know, I, I just kind of crack up because it's really a typical case of the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, I, I think the only industry that has lower consumer satisfaction levels than the utilities are, I think, the telephone and the internet companies. So, you know, they've got their issues too. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just incumbent on us to make sure that we're just running a tight ship and being as fair to customers because we're trying to do the right thing for, for economics and the environment. You know, we don't want those bad reputations. Now, are SIA's efforts in these areas being successful? I mean, are, are we going to ever get regulated by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? <laughs> Maybe another question is, will that bureau even exist in three months? But <laughs> we'll see. So, first of all, I think it's very important for the uh, listeners to understand, as well as you know, many consumers or solar companies listening, the regulations already do exist. I mean, we are already are regulated by the Federal Trade Commission, by the CFPB, as Barry mentioned, if you're offering a financial product, and if you're any, doing any sort of advertising by the FCC. And then, of course, at this, whatever state you're operating in, obviously out of California here, but for podcast listening anywhere, every single state, every all 50 states have consumer protection laws already on the books, most of them for decades, as well as other laws to protect consumers. So the laws are out there. Whether we would be targeted by a specific agency to come after some kind of bust, we're not getting any sort of signal in that way, Barry, that, that's, that we're on the you know, sort of short list for looking into consumer protection practices. What people do want to know within those agencies, because we are talking to a lot of them, is they want to know more about solar. 
you know, they're just, you know, they're used to dealing with, with cars or in recent years, as you mentioned, cell phones, telephones, check cashing, places that have had, you know, a lot of vast volume of consumer complaints that are way beyond anything solar's ever experienced. But solar is also getting a lot of attention as both from the president on down. So, you know, it, it's something that they need to be and want to be aware of. So we've been providing that level of education to policymakers. And we've also been ed- making sure we're, we're educating the public. Yeah, so I, I, it's important that, I mean, what we're doing is great, but it's important not to become complacent. I remember it was about maybe about a year ago that there was, uh, I forgot what conference it was. It might have been the Nehru conference, and there was a session from, or maybe it was an attorney's general conference. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was an attorney's general's conference, and there was a, a panel session, and Sean Gallagher was, was <laughs> picked to defend the solar industry. But the panel session there was about bad consumer activities and, and you know things that are happening in the U.S., and they had three topics on the session. One was human trafficking, about how bad that is. One was opioid abuse, and the other was unsavory solar contractors. And yeah. you know, just to be lumped into that group, I mean, there are people after us, and we just really have to – Keep our eye on making sure that we continue to do everything we can to represent the industry in the right way. And so that's that's just terrific that C has taken up that mantle. Well, you know, Barry, I mean, you hit the, the nail on the head. I mean, we are all of the things I mentioned that we are doing and what others are doing come back to that that principle that you know we'll always be in a better place if we act according to good judgment. The code that we put out, as you said, is is a fairly common sense code that does provide guidance for companies who do have questions. We are open for business for answering questions if companies want to discuss a particular issue and whether they you know, want to know our opinion on the right way to go. So you know, I think staying ahead of the curve, making sure we're treating the consumers first, treating them, treating them right, and making sure that they fully understand. And the FTC is very insistent upon this, that they not only are educated, but they fully understand what they're entering into. The more that we can push in that direction, the better we're going to be served. All right. That's good. So, Tom, just, you know, we talked a lot about CIA, but how did you get into the solar industry? You know, you've been at CIA for, heck, I don't know, seven or eight years, but what, what got you started there? That's a great question. So I actually started back at the very end of the Clinton administration at the Department of Energy and Energy Efficiency, Renewable Energy, and Barry, I've always loved solar I'm a true believer like yourself, and, you know, all the way back to high school and college writing theses and senior papers on viability of the solar industry. So I've been in solar for a while, and being at sea is a, is a very interesting spot. For those of you who aren't you know, as familiar with SIA, you know, we're the National Trade Association for, for solar working across the country, and it's a really interesting mix between having industry as our members, but at the same time we interface all day, every day with government. So as a nonprofit, we're right in between the intersection between industry and government and making sure everything moves smoothly. So great place to be, great peers that I work with, and members like yourself and those on on the audience who really make up the 260,000 people who we now know are, are part of the solar industry after the last solar census was released. Okay, good. And so how can people get in touch with SIA? Let's say you're a homeowner, you're looking at getting solar. How can they get in touch with SIA's consumer protection services? And what, you know, what specific advice do you have for them if they have some questions? 
Yeah, great, great question. So the best place to start is on our consumer protection portal, which is right on our site at seiaca.org. There is a consumer protection section, and you go in there, it breaks off into a section for consumers and a section for companies. And right in that consumer section, first and foremost, you have our residential guide. The residential guide is very easy. It's four or five pages, and it not only asks you questions you know you should examine about your own finances and your own home and how it's situated, but you know questions about the selection process, how you should select a solar company, as well as once you've selected that solar company, really the hard questions that you should ask your solar company. And it's funny having this coming out of the Solar Industry Association because I've had, had folks look at it and say, wow, you guys, are, you guys aren't uh, holding back in terms of the questions you should ask. You're, put, you're asking consumers to ask your own members. I said, well, this is a very important topic, and we want to make sure everybody's on the same page when it comes to the solar transaction and there's, there's full transparency there. Yeah, yeah well, that's why we, we want our customers to be happy for one year and 25 years after that. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Tom, for joining us. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast.